0: Hey Kevin, good to be with you again. In fact, I just did a blog on this for uh our website for Music Life and Times. Just posted it yesterday. But uh I was watching the news the other night, a news program, and the commentator was interviewing this young man. Uh they were discussing the uh Israel the Hamas Israeli war and talking about the unrest on the campus. Uh, Columbia being one of those campuses where there's been a lot of protests on both sides. And at the end of the interview, he asked the student leader what he wanted from the opposite side. And he responded, see me, feel me, hear me, uh, obviously paraphrasing the 1969 uh rock opera who rock opera Tommy and i thought wow that's very interesting that a you know a teenager uh, I, he could be 2021 20, whatever but somebody born after 2000 was uh paraphrasing this this powerful line from this uh rock opera in the 1960s
1: you know uh, i don't i don't know the rock opera very well i mean i mean i know you know the Tommy's blind. And he plays pinball. I know the the basic premise, but is there, is there like a social justice message in that opera?
0: It, it, yes. From the perspective of, of this kid who says, see me, feel me. I think the words from the rock opera, see me, feel me, uh, touch me, heal me. Right. Uh, and it's just an appeal uh, of, of, you know, of his particular the status of the life that he's living, that's the, how he wants to be treated. Um, but then it got me beyond that, you know, the rep that the the mere fact that he was referencing that this student leader at Columbia was referencing, uh, you know, I don't know if he intentionally references, but I'm pretty sure he did. And paraphrase that the, the tone, intonation was even sing-songy, mm-hmm. like the like a, a piece of music, but I just thought, you know, th- that reminded me of how music plays an important role, such a vital role in so much and has historically. I mean, back to Pete Seeger in 1944, um, or Woody Guthrie in 1944, re- recording this, Land is your, land. Um Or Pete Seeger back then recording We Shall Overcome, and of course, We Shall Overcome became the theme of the uh, civil rights movement in the 60s. And there's just example after example. In fact, if you go back that far and then you come all the way forward and the 2021 Grammys Song of the Year was by a woman who goes by H period, E period, R period and and it's called i can't breathe okay Uh, sure so i just thought my goodness the you know if you think about it the role that music plays in these um in these social issues is is uh is is, is huge is, is dominant and um I think you you know there are great speeches you might remember a a piece of a great speech over time uh but I, these songs live on the entire songs live on and they are sort of the, you know, they're the theme and they're the reference to that to that social
1: movement it's certainly something when you when you're performing music for a living you want your music to to be more than mere entertainment although you know I openly embrace the idea that when I'm playing music, I'm just trying to make people's lives better. But, you know, there are there's rare opportunities where musicians get to play things that have some direct relationship to larger cultural events. Um, certainly the song you just mentioned referencing George Floyd. Um, but, you know, you can't always manufacture those things. Um I'm lucky to be been part of some of it. I've certainly been influenced by some some famous parts, roles that jazz has played in this. You, you know, uh, Billie Holiday's most famous composition is that song Strange Fruit. Right. Which is, um, you have to read the lyrics, but she's talking uh, about lynching. Strange right. Fruit is, a you know, a man hanging from a tree. Um, <clears throat> when I toured with the great musician Renee Marie, um, she had a unique way of presenting that song. Is that she would sing Dixie first, yeah. and then go into that. In fact, she tells the story about the, her very first um, album for Max Jazz. She's she's got signed to this label, and they hire an all star band for this, including the drummer um, Jeff Watts and. When she tells Jeff that they were about to record Dixie, he refuses. Throws the sticks down and says, I will not record that racist song. But then she explains, she says, hold on, hold on, just let me explain. (laughs) When he heard what he was going to do, he says, okay, let's do it. We were um, playing in Tallahassee. uh, To be clear, she loves the melody of Dixie. She grew up singing as a child. You know, that was the... The horn on um the race car, the General Lee from Dukes of Hazard would play you know yeah. um so this this song was a way of her kind of marrying these two things in her life and maybe ex- exposing the thing the the role that these two different songs represent. We were performing in Tallahassee, Florida an outdoor concert. Um, you know, Tallahassee, that's in um, South Georgia. We joke. (laughs) Um, She started singing Dixie all by herself and a bunch of people stood up and held their lighters up in the air while she was singing it. And then we moved into Strange Fruit and they were stuck standing up with the lighters. It was, it, she wasn't, I don't think she was specifically trying to skewer them or anything like that, but it definitely really heightened that conflict between the two things. Yeah. I, I remember uh, the uh,
0: the movie about Billie Holiday. I recall from that movie that she was threatened not to sing that song. That it almost cost her her life as well as her career
1: in jazz music it's played a role I love these stories about Louis Armstrong which, which it's, it's kind of ironic that during the 60s because of his, his smiling and friendly demeanor his jovialness on stage a lot of the civil, young civil rights people viewed him as um, I don't know kind of being an Uncle Tom or something but some of his stories of, of, pro, of protest even at the at face of his own personal risk are pretty, pretty beautiful. One of them I like is they're performing in South Africa during apartheid, and he sings Fats Waller um, Black and Blue. What did I do to be so black and blue? Which is um, basically a protest song from the 20s. Yeah. If you can imagine such a thing. And then um, I like, um, suppose play in some Alabama town. And um, they didn't want to let any African-Americans come to the concert. And the sheriff was behind the whole thing. And um, he, I believe he ble- ends up arresting Louis Armstrong and his whole band. But they performed the next day because of the national media press on this whole thing. And he dedicates a song to the sheriff, which is called, I'll be glad when you're dead, you rascal, you. <laughs> I'll spit on your grave when you're dead, you rascal, you. <laughs> Nothing he could do about it.
0: Yeah, well, you talk about, you've mentioned the 60s. Gosh, that was the, the uh, epic of protest music. Of course, the, um, the Vietnam War was the main
1: target of the protests. Well, some of it. There was, a, there was an awful lot in the jazz world still dealing with civil rights. Oh yeah, so of course, Bob,
0: 6. Um,
1: yes. You have you, got John Coltrane's song Alabama, which he recorded after the bombing of that church uh, where the, the you know the, the children were killed. Um, you have Max Roach's Freedom Now Suite, which is important. And there was a lot of debate about if these jazz musicians should be doing it. Of course, they're debating it because they were African-Americans. And of course they should be. One of my um, favorite books is this book by Art Taylor called Notes and Tones. Art Taylor is a very, very famous jazz musician. And what makes this book unique is that he's an actual jazz musician interviewing other jazz musicians. So they trust him. You know, so they're a little more honest. He's interviewing Sonny Rollins at Thelonious Monk and Miles Davis, etc. And he asked them all the same questions and he's asking them, one of the questions they ask all of them is about whether they, how they felt about using their music to fight for social justice. And of course, all of them feel like all of their music is a fight for social justice. Yeah. And if you think about the origins of jazz and blues, Coming out of out of field hollers and work songs, of, of out of slavery, the only form of protest they had was through music. You know, so they would have songs they would sing while they're working, being driven by their by their slave masters, and singing in ways that were a protest. Also, helped them get through the day. I, I can't pretend that I can truly understand. The, you know, the depths of all of that. But it's very clear to me that jazz music has has come up as a protest music from the very start.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, again, in that 60s realm on the on the war side of things. Right. Um, that's when I got started in my career as a folk singer back then. And virtually everything, I mean, there was a love song every once in a while, but most of what we sang... We were protest type of songs,
1: Mike. Um, a lot of those love songs are protest songs too.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> one, one of my favorite stories is uh, uh, Dylan, of course, who was the you know the king of that era and remains the name most associated uh, with folk music. But uh, <clears throat> when when uh, he first performed um, his song "Blowing in the Wind." Uh, which is considered, I've read several uh, comments on it or opinions of it as the greatest protest song ever written. Uh, When he first performed it, he announced, by the way, this ain't no protest song. I don't write protest songs.
1: Wait, so really? Who who says this, though?
0: Dylan, when he first performed it, (laughs) I don't write no protest song. So it was uh, very interesting that years later after all of the, the analysis had been done that, and it has been, that it is considered the, the greatest protest song ever written.
1: Well, you, you know, it's funny. Um, Renee Marie wrote a song about homelessness. Uh, it's a, it's a beautiful song. Yes, it is. Uh, and it's called, this is not a protest song. Um, I wasn't aware of a, of a Dylan connection there, but I, um, the lyrics in that song speaks for itself. And, and she released it as a single and the money went to homeless charities. Yeah. Yeah, but I recall. We performed that often, you know. And I liked <clears throat> that she would just present the song and not spend any time discussing its larger purposes, usually. Let the song speak for itself, you know, which I think it does really well. Um, it's so funny. She was always worried that the Harmonies were too simple, or something like that. I think it's one of the the best best songs I've ever played in terms of being composed. It has a, it has a meaning, and the, the words and the music fit it perfectly. You know, um, I had another profound experience with her, a long term experience over a piece of music she wrote, and when I first joined the band, she was she was first formulating how to write this piece of music. Um, It'd be interesting to have her on to talk about some of this stuff at some point. But, you know, from my, my impression of not trying to speak for her, but um, she grew up in um, rural Virginia near Roanoke and her, her parents were civil rights workers. And um, she grew up being well aware that the, National anthem was written by a slave owner, Francis Scott Key. Um, Not just a slave owner, but a cruel one. I mean, they're all cruel, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, And, but she knew she loves America and she wanted to find a way of healing the role that song plays in her uniquely African American life, you know. So she wrote a suite of music called Voice of My Beautiful Country, where she took all of these patriotic songs and then found her own way to render them. And the last movement of this suite, she took the melody of the Star Spangled Banner, but replaced it with the words to lift every voice and sing, which a lot of people call the African-American national anthem. Um, and just that mirroring the words with the other melody and making it work is is impressive. Just without even being protest or anything, I'm not sure "protest" is quite the right word. But we we performed this for many years, always to great standing ovations and stuff. And then we we were invited to perform it. Uh, this is when Obama was running for his his. Um, his first term. We were invited to play at the Democratic National Convention by Michelle Obama. It was going to be held in Denver that year. And um, so we're excited. We're going to go perform this thing um, in, in in a situation that's specifically political, which doesn't happen to musicians often. And then before that, because she was asked for that, the mayor of Denver asked Renee to perform an a cappella at the state of the of the uh, city address that he was giving. Now he he had already heard his perform it the way it is, right? Yeah. And she goes there, and there's different news reporters there, and she sings it by herself. And <laughs> USA Today wrongly reports that she she sang. That all she did was sing, lift every voice and sing. They didn't recognize that she was singing The Star Spangled Too."
0: The, ma- the the uh, melody of The Star Spangled
1: Yeah, Three. and that she was doing it because she hates America, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And uh, boy, this escalated right away. It becomes international news. Um, Obama himself had to denounce it by saying there's only one national anthem. And we were uninvited from the Democratic National Ah. Convention. Um, She received all these death threats. To her credit, she wrote a letter to the newspaper and published her phone number, invited anyone who disagreed with her to call her. Ah. And she had several long conversations with a lot of people. See, the point of the suite was that she loves America. And she wanted to, I mean, it's called Voice of My Beautiful Country. We we ended up going on releasing that as an album of Max, yeah, maybe, maybe three years later.
0: You know, that's a, that's a great story. Mm-hmm. I have a, a, a much smaller story. I had this opportunity to perform something patriotic. I was asked to do something patriotic for a certain part of a program that I was involved in but there was a certain part of the program where they needed something patriotic for everyone to stand and listen to. And I chose this song, American Anthem. And I think that it too is, uh, I've proposed in the past, <laughs> it's a alternative, uh, to the star spangled banner. Um, and it, it really talks about how, uh, Generation after generation have done things to preserve, to cement our democracy, and to pass along the freedoms and uh, life that we celebrate as Americans. Nora Jones recorded it. Uh, Actually, it was the background for the uh, documentary on World War II. Um, And um, it's a beautiful song. And I love doing it for one reason, is everybody had to shut up and listen. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> don't get that opportunity to.
1: Well, you know, it's amazing when you perform music that has a sincere relevance. I don't mean pandering or messaging merely. But when you're playing something about something important, people respond to it. Um. And there's lots of issues that can be addressed. You you know, I have a a wish list of people I would like to meet and make music with at some point, you know. And um, almost number one on my list is Dolly Parton. And she has this amazing podcast that came out three years ago called um, Dolly Parton's America. And I did not know this about her first record, but most of the songs are about women's rights at a time where you know she, this is her first record like she starts off with protest music which is so risky it's really an amazing thing and uh I recommend anyone listen to her first couple of episodes if not all 10 episodes of this um, uh Dolly Parton's America it's uh, something special music has played
0: critical role an important role in an ongoing role in bringing to light and shedding light on uh, some of the social issues that we encounter uh, worldwide as well as here in america
1: well I, i like that lyric from the song we just talked about um lift every voice and sing